Hi everyone. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to share with you and talk about my Execute Your Dream course, which is a new online program that I've just launched this week. Execute Your Dream is about the gap between setting the dream and creating your dream and making the dream a reality. Welcome to Execute Your Dream. Execute Your Dream is a blueprint for designing and putting into action a unique plan to help you achieve your goals with purpose. There is nothing that can happen unless you're taking action. Confidence. So you'll be walking around in life and it's just like, I feel so powerful because I've got power moves all over the place. And a loving mindset. Know that you're supported. Know that. I'm with you. Know that you have everything that you need so that you can start living your dream life. If you are interested in executing on your dream in 2020, then go to shirleymcalpine.com forward slash execute. That's shirleymcalpine.com forward slash execute to find out more about the course and then enroll in the program now to day. I look forward to seeing you in the Execute Your Dream course. You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be a driver in their own life through the life and stories of Black Women Drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant, I'm an executive coach and a leadership facilitator working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. Welcome back. And in this episode, this is a rewind episode. And that means I'm posting an episode that's from earlier. And this is from the early, early days of taking it out of the vault, this one, because this interview was one of my first interviews that I did for She's Got Drive. I was so excited to be able to interview Paulette Rowe at one point when I was in London and it was just it's such a phenomenal interview so I'm excited to be able to repost it and so that new people who have not been listening from the beginning can get access to her her interview before we I'm going to give you an update on her bio because you need to know where she where she is now and what she's doing now but before we do that before we head there remember to check me on Facebook live on a Monday night you will find me doing my Facebook lives on Monday night check out the different my different Instagram pages to see where where what time that's going to be they'll be I'll be starting that up in the next week or so so check it out look out for it I'm excited about being able to do that. I haven't been able to be consistently showing up during the day just because of my work is so varied from week to week. So this is a way that I know. I know what I do in the evenings wherever I am. So I know that I can show up to share some gems of the kind of exercises and models that I do when I'm working with my clients. And the other thing is for us to have conversations about some of the themes that emerge out of She's Got Drive too. So either of those things is going to be things that come up for me that I want to share on the um, Facebook Live. So look out for that on the She's Got Drive page. The other thing I want to say is if you're loving the show, can you rate and review it? If you love this show, can you rate and review it? I know that it makes such a difference when that happens. So head over to iTunes and rate and review the show. And how about sharing the show with one person? If any, everyone who's listening shares it with one person this week, you just like, and all you got to do is click on, click that picture, click the artwork, and then, then you can share it 
send it in a text and say, hey, do you want to check this podcast out? I think you're going to like it. That's all there is to do. The end. Text and roll. That's it. So if you could do that for me, that would be fabulous. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Okay, so let me give you an update on Paulette Rowe and what she's up to now. After a sterling career at Barclays, Paulette has taken her considerable payments and financial services expertise to a whole new executive role. In January 2020, Paulette Rowe took on the role as president of PaySafe Group Integrated Solutions. And prior to that, she was at Facebook. In 2018, Paulette was appointed as Facebook's global head of payments and financial services partnerships. After five years as the head of Barclay Cards, European's second largest payment processor. She's one of the most influential women in tech, given her work in finance and the and what she's been doing there. And in 2017, Paula added the successful completion of a multi-year, multi-million pound IT transformation to her list of accomplishments. She stepped down from her position as chair of the Mayor's Fund for London Board of Trustees in order to take a new challenge as a non-executive director of a FTSE 100 PLC United Utilities since 2018. She still finds time to support a number of charities and charitable initiatives. She has served on the board of the Prince's Youth Business Trust in the West Midlands and has worked as a trustee at Community Service Volunteers. You are going to love this interview. Get your pen and paper at the ready. There she drops some gems and some real insights as she, as she shares her career to that point. It makes me think I should get her back on the show. I give you Paulette Rowe. I'm curious about you and, and your journey here and what's got you here and what keeps you here. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of exploration we're going to have today. Yeah, looking forward to it. Great, great. Do you want to, actually, could you want to start by saying a little bit about what you do here? So I currently work at, at Barclays, but I run, when I say but, I'm, I'm a banker, but I'm in the bank running a, a payments business. So by payments, I mean every time you use your credit card or your debit card, in a shop or online in the UK, one out of three times, my business is managing that transaction on behalf of the the retailer or travel company or or other that that you're using. So so we touch a lot of the UK economy, uh, whether it's shopping at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Expedia, Starbucks, we're the the technology that sits behind that, that payment. Wow. And how long have you been at Barclays? I joined Barclays just over three years ago. Came in to, to, to run this business. Payments is a very exciting space. If I were giving advice to, to anyone right now, I'd say make a beeline for, for payments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why I actually joined. I, I really wanted to, I'd, I'd been a retail banker elsewhere, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to make that transition into the, the hot happening space and uh, it's really worked out. So you knew that it was an expanding space and a growing space and then you you planned for that I did, yeah, unusually. (laughs) I don't think often, usually I'm saying I had no clue. But in this particular case, yes, I'd, I'd, I'd been in retail banking, I really enjoyed it, but I had friends who'd been working in the likes of sort of PayPal, you know, some of these new mm. uh, payment companies that were emerging and had started to learn a little bit about it and, and felt that, yeah, if I sort of projected a little bit further, I was going to get 
a little bit bored maybe, mm-hmm. being in the retail banking space, wanted to find something new, maybe a, a fresh challenge. So through my networking, I had the opportunity to join Barclays. Great. I think that's one of the things that facilitates success. And what does that look like through your networking? And how do you get to the place where you have, actually have a network? I think I sort of happens to become a networker accidentally. I think it's a little bit of my personality. You know, I am more of a natural extrovert. I like people. I'm interested in people. So I guess I was always more inclined to make friends and, and, and want to make friends, but also to not limit my friends to people who are like me. So even at school, I felt that, you know, I guess I was one of those kids that... Yeah, taught to, I, I was like the girly swat, to be honest, but I also had friends who were a little less focused on, <laughs> on their academic career. Right. And I think that's, that's just something that I, I, I kind of felt naturally. I, I was happy mixing with lots of different people. Right. But then as I went on to university and then business school, etc., I guess I, I continued to do that. So I've ended up now with a really extensive network of people. I still talk to people that I went to school with but I've also now got all of the friends that I've met along the way and and friends is you know in in the broadest uh, possible sense and funnily enough just before coming to this interview and this is really true so it's it's very funny in terms of networking I'm having a massive problem with my neighbours and uh, in terms of some building work they're doing and they've gone and called in uh, a lord he'll, he'll be nameless but some peer because they thought that might might sort of frighten me but I of course I know someone who sits in the House of Lords. <laughs> right. So I've called my friend in the House of Lords who said, yes, of course I'll introduce you to their person. And, right. it's just, and I've just had you know, a, a chat with him and given him my side of the story, which otherwise he would not have had. Right. So yeah. it's so interesting how having that network can help you in ways that you don't really appreciate. And, and it's something I would say, yeah, you, you have to work on. You have to remain interested in lots of people, not just the people you think can help you or you want to hang out with right right now. Right. I would imagine that some people really shy away from that. They might have met certain people along the way, but they just think, well, why, why, would, why would anyone be interested in continuing a conversation with me? And so they mm. don't even follow it up. What is it about in the first moments of getting into contact within that world, unless you were born into that world, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that has you go, okay, that's, that's good. I'm good with that. I think with those, with all people, regardless of background, sure. if you're not genuinely interested in what they have to say, I think they will see it as opportunism, right. etc. So I think that, that what you have to do is be really interested in learning a little bit more about them. In, and, and the best way I've found of learning about people is to share a bit more about yourself. Right. So I guess that, that's why it's worked for me because, you know, I, it's not that I'm phoning up, you know, Baroness or Lord this every day of the week. I, no. I don't. But the relationships I have with people, they know that they're real relationships. Um, even if they're only, only once in a blue moon conversations, I'm speaking to them because I am genuinely interested in, in yeah. knowing a bit more about, about them and, and kind of how they fit into the world, as it were. So it's, it's quite hard to pinpoint, but I have... Um, you, your point is right. I know many, many people, good friends, who find it really difficult to go into that cocktail situation right. and just go chat to someone. But if it's a skill, then it's definitely one worth learning. 
Yeah, I know there's been times when, I mean, over the years, I developed that skill. And yeah. it is a skill you develop, as you see, you do build it. But you, when you go into those places, it's a choice point. You think, I could either stand here for the next two hours and exactly. do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Which I have done. <laughs> <laughs> in all yeah. honesty, I have done. I, there were times where I thought, I went home and I thought, what a waste of time. What were you doing? And there are other times where I said, well, you're either going to do something or you're not. So get on with it. I, I always set myself a little bit of an objective. Right. So either... I might, if I go, I mean, this is obviously more, more now that I'm more used to it, but, yeah. you know, going to an event, if there is a list of who, who people, um, who, who's attending, taking a look at it, and, and as I said, finding something, a company or, or something that you think, oh, that might be interesting, yeah. even, even if you don't think it's going to be useful for you, just go talk to someone who you think might be interesting for whatever reason, yeah. and, you know, set yourself a goal of, I won't leave until I've spoken to at least a couple of people, yes. um, and that's what I tend to do, so I've, I've turned up even more recently at events where I've just thought, oh, <laughs> why am I here but then sort of said yeah while I am here to your point let me at least talk to a couple of people yeah. and then I feel better about okay I can leave now I've I've tried and it may or may not lead to something that is uh, you know a helpful um, new relationship mm. I, I think that's a really good tip the finding some some interest that you have some something on in the sphere versus trying to figure out who this, who's the best person to speak to and what, what difference will it make. And how, exactly. Which just drive, can I think drive that's you crazy much, and yeah. it's inauthentic it's, when you're actually having the conversation. And, that, and that's the key thing. So, you know, I have had conversations with people just to say, oh, yeah, I buy your product. You know, something as simple as that. Or oh, I've always wanted to meet someone from your company, if it's true, you know. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to thinking, oh, now who's the person on this list that's going to be most useful for yeah. me? I mean, you want to do a little bit of that at times, but that's not the key driver. That's a great, really great tip. So then if, you, if we had to look at the word success, mm. what does it mean to you? I think success is very individual. Mm. Um, for me, it means feeling that I am fulfilling potential, the potential that I have. So I always talk about myself having runway. <laughs> and so, for long, so long as I can see runway ahead of me, in terms of things that I think I can do to contribute, but also to sort of demonstrate the capability that I have, the talents that I have, then success for me is continuing on that journey. Um, I may decide for myself that I've taken time out of work before, for example, um, that you know other things are more important, family, etc. But you know, and I define success in in broad terms, not yeah. just work terms. But I think it's that sense of for me of putting in what I think or being able to demonstrate the best that I can be. Have you always been like that? I think so. I mean, I, I, was, I was fortunate in that I've always been a little bit more academic than the average. So I didn't have the struggle at school that, you know, many kids have. I didn't find it boring because I found it reasonably straight, straightforward. I loved books, etc. So going to school was more fun for me than, than it often is. Um, but yeah, I always had that sort of sense of I can do things. And therefore, it's up to me to put myself in places where I get a chance to do those things, right. whatever they are. And I started off wanting to, to act. Uh, I wanted to be a performer. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, that's right. It's like there's a huge spectrum between acting and being in the financial service. Yeah, yeah. What was the thing that got in the way of you 
pursuing that or what what made you decide to pursue something else i think self-belief and it's mm. uh, you know i was watching uh, chris rock on the on the oscars etc i think it's an interesting thing that um at the time when i was thinking about performing i was very mindful of the fact that there were very few roles for um you know black artists etc not as if there are lots of black people in financial services either to be yeah, fair but but you know just sort of not being sure at that age that i was really good enough to break through mm. in terms of my performing career. Um, and so, yeah, and, and sort of making, weighing that up, I guess, and deciding that my academics perhaps outweighed my, my talents yeah. <laughs> on, the, on, the, uh, on the stage. So when did you start uh, in the financial services? Like... After business schools. It was actually an accident. So, you know, coming back to what things do you plan for? Now, the bit I did plan for was I went to business school saying, I want to work in international business development. So I knew I wanted to work in lots of different markets. Right. I was always interested in all things international. I learned French at school. I actually did learn it properly at school <laughs> <laughs> and university. And, uh, and business development, because back to this liking people, I think I really liked the idea of building things and going out and talking to people and, and being commercial. And when I looked around for international business development jobs after business school, I happened to get one in a financial services company. Okay. So that's so that was the link, and then I enjoyed it, so I stayed. But it wasn't that I started off saying, like, you know, "Who says I want to be a banker?" I'm not sure. But <laughs> yeah. so long career in this. How many years have you, would you say you've been in? I've financial been services? in financial services. God, twenty plus years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I know. Don't remind me how old I am. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. So, what's been one of your biggest challenges that you faced? I was working at uh, RBS, the Royal Bank of Scotland, and I'd been there for, I think, just over two, two and a half years and was already in a senior role. But one of my colleagues um, resigned. He was the managing director of NatWest, the retail bank. And I had just moved jobs myself. I'd been in my new job for about eight months, I think mm -hmm. it was, or nine months. Uh, little known to me that uh, they had a plan somewhere that said, if this guy resigns, the person that we want to put in his job is Paulette. They'd never said that to me. So I ended up where, in, in a situation where the CEO of the business came and said to me, so-and-so has resigned, and we would like you to be the new managing director of NatWest Retail Bank. And I went, no. <laughs> no, thank you. And it, it, it's a funny moment in life because I really wanted to run and hide. It was such a huge challenge. To, to give you a sense, I had gone from, I joined RBS, I had a team of about 300 people. I then took on this new job that I'd been in for just a few months where I had a team of about 3,000 people. Right. NatWest was 20,000 people and you know my background wasn't actually branch banking and it was looking after 1600 branches yada 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 and it just felt really really scary and I said no I tried to say no the actual business was a massive challenge of coming into a, to, to a business where I wasn't I, I didn't know as much as the people who worked for me 
um, I was taking over from somebody who was much loved um, and had gone to a rival bank. So it you know, had been sort of difficult circumstances for people. It happened very quickly. He was there one day and, and, and gone the next. And then my own sort of you know, inner demons of, can I really do this? Mm. Um, and you know, I, I did think it was very odd myself. I just thought, well, I'm not Scottish, I'm not white, and I'm not a man. How, how did I get this job? <laughs> you know? It was absolutely one of the best things I could ever have done. So you said no, and they kept asking, did they? Yeah, I mean, this all happens right. in, they, they literally said, you've got to decide in this window. And I, they didn't want me to leave, the CEO didn't want me to leave his office before I said yes. And I said, well, I, I, I'm not going to say yes until I've had at least some space to think about right. it. So he let me go off. And, I, and I, phoned, I phoned friends and family, and I said, what do you think? And they said, you'd be nuts to turn it down. Yeah. You know, better to take it and fail than to walk away from this opportunity. Right, right. When you look at that, what did you rely on? To some extent, I relied on humility. So, you know, I went into a job that everyone knew. I'd never done this job before. <laughs> I'd never worked in the branch bank before. I hadn't been at RBS that long. So I listened a lot to my direct reports and the team around me. But also this self-belief, knowing that or, or persuading myself, they wouldn't have chosen me unless they felt I could bring something to, to the role and then figuring out what do I bring that's different. Yeah. So don't try and do the job the same way your predecessor did. Find your own flavor. What do you believe in? What do you see? And uh, yeah, it became, it was a great team. We worked well together. I learned a huge amount from my directs, huge. Um, but equally, I think they started to see how I could add value to what right. they were doing. And, and we had a really successful run. In the experience of delivering the work, start to see what you were bringing and what they saw in you. Or did you like determine a goal for yourself in the role and then started to? How did it, or was it so organic? It's hard to say, it might be a bit of both. I, don't know. I think it's a bit of both. Now, you know, with the, the nice thing about having a P&L, a profit and loss account, mm -hmm. is that, you know, you know, you've got some financial targets and they were very clear. It was like, congratulations, by the way, you know, <laughs> here are the numbers and the business is already behind. And, you know, and you know that no matter how positive they are about you, if you don't deliver, deliver. Yeah. You, you might be having a very different conversation later. But um, but I do have some models, I guess, and I'd been in, I, I'd been in management long enough to have started to create some frameworks for myself. So right. I, I have looked, I have read business books, I have looked at leaders that I thought were doing interesting things. And so you know, I did go to business school. So I, I do have some things that I take with me, mm. uh, which is my starting point. So if you're thrown in at the deep end, you've got a few tools that you can, you can pull together. And I, I knew some, something about the business already. I'd already yeah. been working there. But yeah, so I think it is a mixture of knowing that I, I actually did have something to, to bring, but then giving myself some time to explore, not feeling that I had to come out straight away with this is the strategy, yeah. but spending time with the business, with the people who were working for me to say, right, what do you think? Where would you go? What can we fix? What can be different? And then building the story organically, as, yeah, you, as you said. Yeah. Well, that is a huge challenge. It's a lovely challenge to have, though. You know, rather than there are, there are many others that we perhaps don't, don't want to be faced with, but that's a Yeah, that was a positive one. Yeah. But in some ways, one that I could so 
have easily you know missed in in, in a way away from yeah and and that was the that was my first instinct of not being worthy not being quite good enough not being really surprised not being ready for the change as well um and i think that's that's another really important thing that I, I say to people here when I um, in in my career when I'm coaching um, my directs mm -hmm. I say you know the problem particularly in big companies but it's probably true of life is these opportunities never land exactly when you want them yes. they are either too late or too early right. and you've just got to go with both if it's too late you've got that frustration of potentially sitting there and, and, and waiting it out and you've got to make that judgment call as to how long is too long but when they come early that is equally a challenge because it's maybe a little bit before your time or a little bit before you're mentally prepared to yeah. get there, but you have to grab them. Yeah. That's like coming back to your, your runway. Um, like there was someone put a runway in front of you. Yeah. It's like, okay. Gotta go for it. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> wonderful. And if you, um, you said that you called, one of the things you did was you called your friends and your family to mm. kind of get some ideas about like, what do you think? What? What's the, your relationship between your success and your friends and family? Hmm, good question. I mean, I think from a, from a family point of view, um, you know, I, I had very modest beginnings, et cetera, you know, sort of a bit of a sort of rags to riches story, if you, if, if you like. But um, the one thing that always held true was that my mother was extremely proud, still is today, and uh, she always carried herself as someone who uh, demanded respect, had earned respect. And so I never was tempted to, you know, when I was at school, a lot of people talked about, well, it's impossible to get to university, it's impossible to do this, etc. But we had set at home high expectations. It wasn't a you will go to university or else, but just more of I believe that you can do something and, you know, why, why wouldn't you do something right. with your life? Whether that would have been the acting or, or something else. So I think I always had that from, from my mum, from my the expectation that good things could and should happen. Yeah. Um, and, and with friends, um, I guess it's a mixture because I have friends from school who, you know, they're very modest beginnings. They're still relatively, you know, modest uh, now. But we've all, I think, well, the people that I'm closest to, even from, from school who don't have the, the big, you know, banking career or whatever, mm. they've, I think we've all still tried to do something that we felt was within our grasp. We've right. all sort of chased our, our, our dreams to, to an extent and uh, are still sort of quite optimistic people, even when we've had setbacks. So you're, you're surrounded by uh, the, the optimism, the future focus, to whatever that future is, I think that's whatever true. that potential is, but you're always stepping. Yeah. Your people are people who step into a potential, yeah. step into a space. They've all got a runway, basically, haven't they? I in, think so. In That's their, within their whatever they're. Yeah, whatever. I think, I think there is that optimism there of, you know, it's worth it. It's worth trying as opposed to oh, what's, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. I always, I, I, um, I have um, my 13-year-old nephew living with me uh, right now. And um, I, I say to him, don't define yourself by what you don't want to do. Define yourself by the things that you want to do, you know, right. by the positive, not the negative. It's right. really easy. I could list a thousand things that I'm not prepared to do <laughs> or don't enjoy or, you know, yeah. don't think I'm good at. But I tend not to talk about those things as much as I like to talk about the things that I am prepared to give a go. Yeah. That's really because there's so many, particularly if we look at the backgrounds that people come from, 
where they don't have a role model ahead of them doing something in this particular sphere is um, a conversation for I don't, I can't, yeah. I'm not worthy, I don't belong. Yeah. Um, and in a space where you're the only one or one of two or one of three, you know, in, it's so easy to have that conversation with yourself. Did, have you ever had that conversation with yourself? I don't belong here. Um, well, when I, I went to university, I, definitely. When, so when I was taking my A-levels and, um, you know, I, I went to a school that wasn't known for academic success. <laughs> you know, people were very focused on it. And so I pitched up wanting to do, you know, A-levels. And so I couldn't really do them at my school. They didn't have many A-levels to, <laughs> to, I think they had uh, social studies and, and one other it was really right. that bad so I ended up studying maths and physics chemistry um, but I went to a boys school I, um, I went to um, a, a school not too far away in, in, in the borough um, but it was a it was a battle and uh, one of one of the I guess positive influences of my my mother it's a bit of a long story but I'll, I'll try to mm. tell it quickly um, we had a teacher at that school who actually I didn't think was very good and wasn't giving us the right coaching we're getting quite close to to, to a levels and my mum came into the school to have a word with the headmaster to see what could be done and the headmaster of that school this boys school actually came back to me later and said if there was a problem with this teacher I think one of the the parents of my boys you know there was this sort of inference of you are not from a family where I'm going to pay any attention. You know, why are you raising this? But it was actually because I was the strongest in the class right. and I had the most to lose by, you know, not right. getting that, that, that attention. So, yeah, at that moment, sort of being in a boys' school, there was only one other girl there like me who'd elected to do A-levels there and then going on to read engineering at university where, again, I was the, I was the only woman in my, right. in my class. Um, and, you know, with these captains of industry or sons of captains of industry who felt very entitled. And there I was, sort of, not quite sure why, but studying mechanical engineering, which I knew nothing about. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so definitely moments of, of, of self-doubt. But then you've just got to remember that you have you you can do these things and actually believing that people do want to support you there are those that don't want you to succeed yeah. but there are plenty of people who do right. want you to succeed you've got to find those people yeah. and it's funny actually because i met um, i met a girl from from school who i hadn't seen since she left at 16 so you know sort of wow yeah. you know sort of like close to 40 years and um and she uh, and she said to me i remember you acting at school yeah. And I suddenly thought, and she, she told me this whole story about this character that I'd played and how everyone had been so, and I was thinking, maybe I was, maybe I made the wrong choice. <laughs> you know, you like this, for this, for this woman to pop up and say, you know, yeah. of all the things that she remembered, she remembers me playing a character yeah. and improvising a character at school. I was like, how on earth has she remembered that yeah. for all this time? That's just like really freaky. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you could be acting with Idris Elba right now. If only I know exactly. Exactly, it's just it was just a very funny moment, and I thought, I thought oh, maybe maybe I made the wrong decision. Mm. <laughs> Actual um, belief in self, the things that you're navigating, the conversations that having a network, all of those things really apply wherever you are. Yeah, you know. So there's there's who you are and your your the support of your family and friends. Like you, you could you could have been phoning and saying. I've got a part in a James Bond 
film, I don't feel ready, what, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, and then your friends are saying, <laughs> what are you talking about? Take it, you know. Just... I hadn't, you did say, you know, there'd be things that I hadn't thought about. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about, you know, I phoned friends and they didn't say, oh God, yeah, you're really over your head. Yeah. Yeah? They yeah. said, they, I mean, they didn't really say, oh, you'll fail. They said, go for it, you'll be fine. Yeah. But what's the, you know, like, but you'll regret it if you don't. And, and you're right, I hadn't really appreciated that I am, now whether, which comes first, you know, but I am yeah. surrounded by people who have that more positive, go try it outlook. Yeah, yeah. So it reinforces the sort of, when I have a positive thought or when I'm having a negative thought, when I speak to them, they're more likely to push me back into the positive territory than sort of go, oh yeah. And I remember at school, there were way too many people who, you know, if you failed at something, were very glad to sort of jump on that bandwagon yeah. and say, oh, well, there you go, you see. Yeah. And, you know, now that I think about it, there have been times when I have made calls to friends and I guess they could have easily have said, you know, you're out of your depth, you're a fool, don't try. <laughs> but they didn't. They sort of supported me and, and I knew that if it didn't work, they would still feel the same way about me yeah. as well, which is also important. Yeah. If you're not loved at work, you can always be loved outside. Exactly. I always say it's just a job. And yet, you know, people will say that I work hard, I'm really committed, but I never lose that it's just a job. No, it isn't me, it doesn't define me. Mm. It's a large part of what I do every day, but yeah, there, there are other things that are more important in terms of you know, what I think about myself day to day. Right. How many black women leaders are there in, in Barclays at your level, at MD level and above? I think there might be, it changes a lot. <laughs> in the UK, I think it's me. There are, I think, two or three in, in Africa, okay. so Barclays Africa. But I'm the only one running a, a P&L, uh, so actually running a business. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's the other thing that I see that happens a lot to, to, to women generally, that uh, women can get to senior levels and do get to senior levels, but often they get sort of pushed into a functional role. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no, nothing wrong with being in a functional role, but I would personally like to see more women actually being MDs of a business, CEOs of a business, right. and having end-to-end -end responsibility for, you know, a company. Yeah. I think it's a, you know, it's, it's a great experience and it's a great leadership uh, opportunity. What's the impact on you? When, did it ever impact you? Do you ever think? Well, to my colour. Well, in that you're the only one after how many years? Like you're, like, I mean, it's because it's not just in Barclay, is it? I mean, if we look across other, the sector. Yeah. What it? bothers me about it is sometimes how other people react. So I, I remember I was at a meeting when I was at RBS with uh, Fred Goodwin. He was hosting an event and it, it, was, a, it was more specifically about uh, gender diversity. But nonetheless, while I was there, we were sort of talking about and I was sort of you know, taken along as an example. And the sort of reaction tends to be, oh, well, you, you, are, you are so special. And I was really irritated by that. It's not that I'm so special. Yes, I have some talents, but there are lots of women out there and lots of black women out there who could do my job easily. They just haven't necessarily had the same opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 do, I do worry about people sort of putting it down to one or two, you know, extraordinary individuals. It, it shouldn't be about that. It, no. should be, it should be a much more, you know, it just happens. And people don't think 
twice about it. But I can see all of the barriers that are there. And yes, I, I, I do think about it at, at times. And I often think, you know, do I need to be doing more? I've, I've got some, some black women on, on my team and I try to keep an eye out for them and, uh, you know, and hope that they'll continue to, to, to thrive in, in my organisation. Yeah. The talent that has existed, that does exist in different levels in the organisation is do they stay the course? Too, you mm. know, do is, is there some point where they just think I'm I, I, I'm tired, I can't be bothered, or they think it's never going to happen, or I don't want to be the only one, or whatever that is. That so the you know so on the one hand there's certainly the talent to do the job to to perform, but there is something missing on both sides. Yeah. On the environment and the organisation, but I'm curious about is what's missing on the side of the women who are in that workspace, who don't, who aren't able to kind of, more? yeah. And, and I'm not, it's not their fault, but it, there is something that if it was there, I think it might make a difference. So this, I'm looking for some patterns and some, mm. so what do you think it is? What is it about you? Because you are, the environment's the same and you're there yeah. and someone else is there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. What is it? I think it's about finding the people who want to support you. So, you know, knowing who they are, finding ways in which they can help you. I think it's about flexibility. I, I do wonder sometimes whether I, I picked some of it up from my engineering days when, you know, when you're the only woman, you learn to be flexible. You sort of, you know, you've got to get on with these guys. You're with them for four years. You know, you do need help every now and then with something. Right. <laughs> and, and, and how do you, and, and sort of being at ease with both asking for help, but also being sort of part of, part of that group. And sometimes I, I, I find, and this isn't specific to, to black women, but I, but I find that women get feedback about either you're sort of, you're not vocal enough or now you're sort of aggressive, etc. And it's, and the, the, the feedback I think is often wrong. Mm -hmm. The problem is you have to do something with it. So it's not who you are, but for whatever reason, it's the perception. And you can do the, look, they've got to deal with it, but you've also got to find ways in which you can get past that so people stop talking about the silly things that they see and really focus on, on, your, on your work. Right. So I guess what I've tried to do is to always focus people on my achievements, which I, I do find women perhaps sort of almost assume that it's known Yes. And don't do as well as their male colleagues often at putting it out there. So, uh, for instance, one-to-one, um, -one, sort of having that check-in with, with your boss, a lot of people run away from them because it's uncomfortable, yeah? But actually, I'm the seeker of that experience. Right. Why? Because actually it's a two-way street. It's not just for him or her to give me feedback, but it's also for me to remind him or her as to what I've done for them recently. So I've had bosses that didn't want to give, not, not in a, a bad way, but mm -hmm. they're just really busy and they didn't want to necessarily sit down and, and create the time. But I've always found by getting really close to their PA or whatever, that I would find a way to make it work. Right. Get into their diary and have the opportunity, have an agenda, and just make sure that you know when you leave, you've told them the things that you went in there to, to, to tell them. But also check in and make sure that what you think you're doing is coming across in the way that, uh, that, you, that, that you had intended. Yeah, that's brilliant because when you, two, a couple of my clients, I've coached some women, lead, women leaders predominantly, yeah. and a couple of my clients popped up 
when you spoke about that. Whereas it, very recently I was saying, how often do you meet with your boss? And she said, you know, well, I'm supposed to meet with them once every couple of weeks. But to be honest, when they cancel, I'm quite pleased, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's like, a natural no, reaction, yeah. but it's not the right thing. You know, you need contact. You need contact. And then the second thing you said is about, you know, really letting them know what you're, what you're, working, what you're on. working on and what difference you're making to the business. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, yeah. Then, and, and then, you know, because often they don't know or believe it or not, how could this happen? But somebody might be taking credit for your work. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, or suggesting they played a much bigger part. And you can't go in and say, well, that person's been, you know, <laughs> so-and-so stealing my ideas. But you can just go in and be very factual about this is what I've been working on. This is what I think I've, uh, I've achieved. This is where I think I'm going to go next. Right. So, yeah, that dialogue, I think, is, is, is really, really critical. And guess what? It builds a relationship. And that's the other thing. Business. Yeah, you know, you... You don't have to, as you said, your boss doesn't have to be your friend, but it helps if they like you. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... And they're not running. Yeah, they're not sort of yeah. like, oh, you know. And, and obviously you can overdo the one-to-one -one yeah. thing. You don't want them sort of running every time they see you coming. But, but equally, it gives you a chance to spend a little bit of time on just general chit-chat. Mm. And that is something that I wasn't so good at before, that I didn't put as much value on before, but now I do realise that actually the five minutes or so of banter that I used to think, you know, was like my ruthless efficiency, mm. just get in, get out, is actually just as important as delivering the, the other messages. Yeah, it's the glue in the relationship, isn't it? It's the glue. And letting that person know something more about you. Because again, when someone comes and says, oh, Paulette did this, or I don't like the way Paulette behaves, or, you know, the sorts of things, because, you know, people are competitive. And I, I have actually come across colleagues who have seen that I've been doing well and because they're competitive have tried to, you know, put... put Derail. Yeah, exactly. Progress, you know, yeah. sort of, you know, sort of go for the image a little bit. But when people know you a bit more, then they don't allow that to happen so right. easily. If you've given a little bit more of yourself. And it was something I never used to do. I was very private. But now, you know, not that I'm completely open book... Mm. But I do share more with, with people, a little bit about who I am, etc. And, and it does get amazing results. People trust you more, want to work with you more, they're more loyal. It's incredible. So that's another thing around building relationships. And when you spoke about that um, just now, around your performance and you kind of managing your reputation, really yeah. managing your image. Doctor, there's a, a, a consultant in the US, Dr. Vanessa Weaver. Mm. And she created this model, and she's done a lot of research on it. It's called Pi. Yeah, I'm actually surprised we got this far without me mentioning Pi. Because yeah. if you talk to people here, they'll tell you that I talk about Pi. It's so all, useful. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what Pi is, because mm. it's a great model. And I talk about Pi with my with my um, clients. Should I say it or should you say it? You Would say you it, and then it? I'll uh, yeah. Cause yeah, I, yeah. Then you can talk about how you. I, I probably it. morphed it slightly into my <laughs> own versions. So great. So Pi stands for performance, image, and exposure. Exactly. Right. And performance is what we call table stakes. It's what gets you in the door. You've got to yeah. have it in order to get anywhere. But what most certainly women do, and black women do, and people have yeah, is that 
focus on performance, think yeah. if I just work really, really hard, then of course people will notice me. Mm. Yeah, course. exactly. Right. That's all it's about. Right. And it is about that performance, but unfortunately there are other people doing lots of other stuff yes. as well that's Hence. getting them noticed. So the second thing is your image, your which is your reputation. How yeah. do you build your image? And if you're not working an image, someone else is working, yeah. will, will create it for you, or you won't have one. Yeah, it's kind exactly. of like someone else is creating it for you, or you won't have one. You do have to think a little bit proactively about the brand that you're you're trying to build. Right. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. exposure. So that's one that I've always morphed. I call it executive sponsorship, but it's exactly the same thing. But yeah. who's out there who is an influencer or decision maker who can have a, a, who's rooting for you? Yeah. 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 Back so, to the networking. So most people focus on P and totally forget about I and E or they focus on one of them but not the other. So maybe yeah. it's performance and I, and I am concerned about my reputation because I want to be seen as doing a good job and blah, 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 but they're not concerned about exposure and building those relationships yeah. as someone speaking on your behalf as well as you getting into those places exactly. where you can be seen. And the thing that I've heard, and I hope I'm being true to the model, but mm. certainly has been proved out in, in life, is that, as you said, the P, because it's table stakes, if you were sort of thinking about what percentage of my you know, difference does it make? The P is almost like 10% because it, it's, it's binary. It's either there or it's not. Once right. you're there, though, there's actually quite a few other people who are going to be performing in a zone yes. where it's enough to get them to the next role. The image is equally, uh, it, it is important, but sorry, not equally. It's even more important because right. actually before you want that promotion, people have got to be able to see you in that role. Um, and if you don't allow them to, to, to do that, if you're not operating at that level, then you know that you can be overlooked. And the exposure, depending on the industry, depending on the company, but that is really important. And that can also be putting your hand up for a challenging task, right. something that you know just sets you apart from, from everyone else. And I think on image, we used to have, when I was at GE, there were lots of debates about image, and people used to boil it down to, you know, should I, should I wear a nose ring, and can I show my tattoos, and all this sort of stuff, and, and that does matter. But I have found that actually I've always been authentic in terms of I've not compromised who I think I am. Mm. Remember when I was at RBS, someone was writing an article about senior women in the organisation and they wrote an article about me and said that I was a surprisingly feminine, um, I was surprisingly feminine in my choice of wardrobe and I'd never really noticed. Right. That. But it was so funny that other people were kind of going, oh, you know, she's like, she's, wear, she's wearing a long split in that right. skirt. And it was like, as long as I look professional, I can bring fashion or, you know, exactly. not so much today, but, you know, I can bring my personality in, in how I dress. But I did have one example where I said it was a, a woman um, working in my organization and mm -hmm. I'd set, sent her to a meeting on my behalf to, and she was really smart, absolutely someone who should have been going places. And she wore, I won't go into details, but she wore totally the wrong thing. And when I went and spoke to the guys afterwards and asked for feedback, all they focused on was what she was wearing. They didn't hear her. And I got back together with her, talked to her about it. And she was quite adamant of, you know, I wear what I want, etc. And I sort of said to her, well, look, you just got to decide, though. If what you're wearing mm. is so extreme that it takes the attention away from your exactly. amazing intellect to, you know, your belly button, which was kind of where they were all focused, then actually, you know, you're missing out. Exactly. And she 
changed her wardrobe again, not too much, just a little bit more conservative. But she actually felt more professional, more ready. And people stopped looking at what she was wearing and listening to what she was saying. Yes, yes, because it's finding your self-expression in that workwear. Yeah. Is what I talk about when I'm working I'm with, with clients. You. Yeah. You know, so it, you don't have to go boring, you don't have to go dull, but you have to, as you said, if, you're, if the attention is, what the hell are you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> Which, it, it, you know, there's... Yeah. No, absolutely. And I've always enjoyed sort of adding a little something to, yes. to, to my workwear. And it is part of me. And it is part of that image, you yeah. know, that you, you are different. And you can use that difference to your advantage as well. Yeah. And it, it really speaks to, you know, when people ignore the brand, because the branding is everywhere, you know, then it's not really understanding the game that you're playing. Like every, there's, every culture has its own game. Exactly. Are you playing rugby or are you playing tennis? Yeah. And everyone else is playing rugby and you're playing tennis, then you can't win. So it's, it's right. a really good way of putting it. And the thing is that also when you start off, you probably do get there because of performance. Because yeah. you're in a large pool, some people aren't going to succeed, and you get used to performance getting you so far. But then if you really, to your point, you know, if you want to be that senior business leader, if you want to be the CEO of a bank, where, you know, there are a number of women, black women out there capable of doing that. Yeah. But to get to that next level, I think it, it does take a little bit of understanding the game, understanding the culture that you're, you're working in and realising right. that just your performance isn't going to be yeah, enough. I meet so many women who think it's their performance and then the work that we're doing is about being seen managing your, your image and you know this one I'll tell you one story so this is a story about you know there's a midriff but there's another one where <laughs> in a meeting the woman t shows up and she's cold she gets out a blanket no <laughs> really she gets out a blanket well I admire and, her. and I think get yourself a lovely pashmina love yes exactly do you know what I mean like yeah. if you if you feel cold I always ask myself the question would a man get out a blanket and wrap it around him and I know. No, and that's the thing. And that's what some of the guys will say, won't they? When, when we as women complain and say, you know, we don't want to conform. And they'll say, but actually, you know, we don't normally want to wear this, you know, yeah. every time we come to work. Yeah. But, you know, men do conform. It may not be as much, uh, but they do conform yeah. to, to There's to a, a lot of them conforming, so it's not, it's not so obvious. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But they, yeah, on yeah. 90 degrees, do they want to wear a suit and a tie? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. But they're not getting a, and at minus whatever, they're not getting a blanket out. <laughs> I mean, I just think I've like. I've heard that one before. So, That's yeah. So it's like, there's so many quick wins out there. Yeah. Take the blanket away, yeah. get a beautiful pashmina, yeah. hide the midriff. Yeah. You know, like, so, and some people, I know that some women go, get issues around that, but it's like, what are you, what are you working on and where do you want to be? Yeah. And so those things matter, so performance, image and exposure absolutely matter. And the image can be diverse, it just has yes. to be within... You know, it's, it's the context where, where, where you work. It will be different in advertising than in banking, for exactly. example. So, I've uh, just started to work in the beauty sector, and it's, and it's just so interesting. You walk into that. Now, the corporate headquarters looks the same. Right. You know, the right. big buildings, it's really like... But when you look at the dress, it's totally different. It's a different level of self-expression and what works then, who, who gets listened to. So if I rock up in your average kind of grey suit that you would find in the, maybe in a finance space and it's yeah. acceptable. Yeah. They look you like... <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not going to... I'm not going to be listened to in the same way and it matters. Or if, if I turn up in a pair of jeans for the first meeting, it's like, are you really a yeah, exactly. really consultant? Yeah. So I'm managing that 
we're managing that wherever we are. Yeah. And yeah. then the E, as you said, exposure. And this is perhaps where I started with sort of talking about networking. Yeah. So, you know, guys tend to do this, men tend to do this a little bit better. Mm. You know, they, they do know who the key people are. They have those offline conversations about sport or whatever it is. And, and as women, we're a little reluctant sometimes to do it. And as black women, we may feel that we can't even relate really to, to some of these people. But you, you just have to find a way. Yeah. And... You know, especially now, I think the climate in many companies is, is a lot better. So at Barclays, there's a lot of focus on gender diversity, for example. So there are leaders out there who are wanting to find the talented women and the talented right. women of colour who they can actually sponsor, etc. So, you know, why not be one of them? Yeah. I remember when I first started working, I mean, it was really... Oh, when I did, I did an internship at the Cabinet Office when I was, oh, wow. I was a student. And, and every Friday it was down the pub. I mean, mm, every, I I mean that pub culture, which is, is not as prominent as it was, but it's still there. There's still elements of going to those after work yeah, things. Yeah, no, it's true. That you need to find your... You need to... You need to find. You have to get the balance. Yeah. When you, you don't to have go. to be there all the time, but right. you might want to go for a little bit. You know, and when you're there, even if you're there for a short time, make it count. Yeah. You know, chat to a few people, and then give your excuses and, and leave. I've never felt that I had to do exactly what everyone else was doing, right. but you need to show that if if not through going down the pub in other ways, that you're actually interested in the people you know, who are around you, who, who you, who you work with. I remember a, a job I had in the States, the, um, the CEO of that business who I reported to, he used to go to the gym every, uh, every lunchtime. And so most of my, my peers who were mainly men, they would all find themselves in the gym at the same time right. in the changing right. room. And that was their moment to sort of have the offline, you yeah. know, Michael, etc. And, uh, and I used to say to him, this is totally unfair yeah. <laughs> because I can't, I can't hang out with you yeah. in the, in the, in the locker room as it were but you know I would find other opportunities when I could get to him yeah. and it was important to have that uh, that sort of informal time as well as the formal one-to-ones that I talked about earlier yes yeah, so you just have to get creative really you know the sports I'm not really a great follower of sport yeah no me neither so what I've done <laughs> is I make that when it comes up I start to talk about the fact that I'm not and you've missed me. But mm. So that means I'm in the conversations like, yeah. are, are we, particularly in America, Chicago Bears, Bulls, what's that? Basketball? <laughs> are, you, are we talking about baseball? They're like, oh my God, it's so ridiculous, you know? And, but I'm in, I am in the conversation yeah. versus standing outside saying, I don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. So that's how I found my way. I joke about the fact that I don't know what you're talking about yeah. and then I'm in. I'm the same. I right. always joke about that. I had no clue half the time what people were talking about or I would find ways to bring something that I was interested in, you know, I don't know, their uniforms or the latest good-looking guy or, yeah. you know, something else right. that I could bring in, which, you know, and it's a good test of your colleagues as well. If they want to include you, they will. They, they, they will. They'll, uh, they'll follow your lead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's been so many, so many great kind of tips that you've given. More than tips. I don't want to, because it belittles <laughs> it when I, when I say tips. No, but it's They're the like guiding principles, yeah. really. Yeah. As, uh, you know, because they've things that you use over and over again that you've go to, your go tos that have, mm. that, what's the word? It's like your map. Let's, yeah. let's come back to the kind of yeah. the, the, the like a map that guides you in the, the decisions that you're making or how you're navigating the environments and so on. If you had to like come down to three, or if you had to, oh no no, how about how about if you had to go back to the Paulette 
yes. years ago. I do love this question. It's an Oprah question, and I'm going to completely steal it. And I'm saying, <laughs> um, what's the advice that you would give to Paulette as a younger Paulette? Oh gosh, a younger Paulette. What advice I would give? I would probably say take take a few more risks because you know back to your definition of success. Although I feel I've been successful and I'm very happy with my life, there are times that I think, actually, I did hold myself... Even I mm. held myself back at times and didn't dream big enough. Yeah. And taken a little bit more risk. So I'd probably say take take the risk, you know, jump in a, a, a little bit more. Um, I would say that, you know, the getting to know people and taking that little extra time at Christmas or, you know, whenever it is, like I'm, I'm usually pretty good at, you may not hear from me forever, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at Christmas I try to remember to send at least an email yeah. just to keep in touch with people. I think that's actually been something that's been very useful. And as I said, it's been quite incredible at times where it's, it's come in and, and, and been helpful, have been really, really useful, just having that network even if it's just a brainstorm with people in terms right. of what next, etc. Um, and I think just that, that self-belief, don't lose that. Mm. Let that be your anchor. And whoever gives that to you, helps you um, maintain it, keep those people close. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. I love the risk, the risk piece. Yes. You know, because one thing I heard recently is it's in the not taking risks that's risky. Yeah, exactly. In our career. It's amazing how much you can recover. You can recover. And I think, uh, and you know, and we've not talked about the bad things that happened in my career. There have been bad things that have happened and things that I wish had gone better. Um, But it is amazing how you recover. You can bounce back. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, I suppose we haven't focused on anything that was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's been the the flavour that is. I think maybe it speaks to the positivity. Do you know what I mean? It speaks to who yeah. you are yeah. that we haven't veered into the darker places, the dark side <laughs> of our work. Of work, yeah. so are, but it's how who are you when those dark things show up? And there's yeah. a real positive energy. You surround yourself with positive people. Pie is really, and it's and that model is such a positive model. It when is. I was working in France, I had a female boss who was Egyptian. And she and I ended up going to negotiate a deal, which was quite important for the, the, the company. And we were supposed to go back, and it was the last meeting, and it was with the, the board of this company. And the morning of the presentation, she said to me, um, I'm thinking about this, this, this pitch. You know, it's really important that we, we win this one. And I said, yes, absolutely. And she said, you know, we, we're in France. Um, neither of us are French and uh, we're both women and I've thought maybe I should take one of our French colleagues, one of, one of the men along because they're going to respond better to one of their own. And I said, okay, yeah, you know, I'll sort of take one for the team, I understand and put the phone down and had that sort of sinking feeling of, okay, you know, I, I get it the audience we're dealing with, they're going to respond to a native French man versus Samira and I pitching up together. And then the phone rang again, it was Samira back on the phone and she sort of said, oh my God, I can't believe that we almost did that to ourselves. You know, of if we don't believe that we can go in there and get that deal, regardless of the fact that we're not male, we're not French right. or whatever, and we're, we're, we're black, if you like, then 
Why should we expect Why anyone else? Why should we expect anyone else? Exactly. Oh my God, it's like so close. It was so close. So and we went close. in and we did a brilliant job, you know? And, yeah. and, and, that, and that was the reassurance that we needed. And again, it's that negative of, you almost put yourself, oh, those people won't buy from us because we're different. But right. they, they bought from us because we were good. Yeah, and you delivered what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. And it really, un it also underestimates, one of the moments when we underestimate others, you know, like, there's the, because there is that conversation that's out there, do we internalise it? But do we also underestimate that they, who are they? Like, you didn't even know them, right? Yeah, but exactly. you're putting that yeah. on them. Yeah, that they couldn't see past our colour, right. they couldn't see past our nationality. Right, right. Yeah. and like they're not really interested in what you have to say beyond that. Mm. That is such a great example. I mean, there's so many, when we're in our own way. Yeah, exactly. And in some ways, if I hadn't gone to that presentation, I might have always had that feeling of not being quite good enough right. to, you know, to have won that one, whereas actually we were capable. Yeah, yeah. We were capable. Yeah. Yeah, my way. <laughs> Paulette, you know, I feel like I'm so, I feel so privileged to have met you, oh, you know. No. no, seriously. <laughs> no, seriously. Because... It's clear to, that, you know, who you've shown up to be in this interview is clear to me why you are where you are. Oh, really? That's very nice you know, of you to say it that. really is. And, and, and whatever, there's that internal, that your internal kind of like going beyond yourself and mm. your, those limits that we can put on ourselves. And you've got your network and there's things that you've put in place that has it work. And then you're obviously great at what you do because otherwise you would not be here. No. And then knowing that, and it does matter, at the moment you are like one or three, mm. which is crazy. And my commitment is trying to figure out how we do better at that, how we do better at that. And some of that, what you've spoken about, is like we get ourselves out of our own way first. We need to do that work and then we take care of that because we can't always take care of the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we can certainly take care of that. And when we take care of that, what we'll find is certainly not everybody, and as I said, we haven't talked about, you know, of course I've had moments where I've thought, hang on a moment, you know, my colour, my gender, it's right. what's getting in the way there. But I've, I've had many more moments where people have said, great, come along. Yeah. We're going to take you on this journey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think when you solve it for yourself, you'll be surprised how many people are there way, ready to to give you that to opportunity. You yeah. Yeah. Oh, can we stay in touch? <laughs> of course, yes. Oh, it's so wonderful to meet you. It's just like, yeah, amazing. What a great interview. Thank okay, you so well, thank much. You. Thank you, Paulette, for your wisdom in this episode of She's Got Drive. The reminders of the importance of networking, expanding your network are so important our ability to go beyond our comfort zone to expand the number of people that are that we're we're meeting that we're seeing that we're connecting with is so critical also i really appreciated your sharing about the impact that pi that model pie performance image and exposure has had on you in your career and that you share it around when you're mentoring others as well it's so important that it has prompted me to plan a future episode where we can delve a bit more deeper into pie and i'm going to invite a friend a dear friend and colleague of mine who has run pie sessions for many at many organizations 
before to come on and and share with us a little bit more about what is the model how does it work and how we can learn to develop the skill set to apply it in our own lives so i'm going to have that as a future episode so look out for that so thank you paulette for prompting that i hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life of all that was shared what is the one or two things that you are walking away with that you can action this week what is the thing that you had an insight think should I do that or that would be amazing if I could just take that on why don't you try it why don't you try it this week if you have a light bulb moment don't allow the light to go out the next thing to do is to take an action I'd love to hear what you're taking on go to my page on shirleymcalpine.com and leave comments there I do read them all She's Got Drive is produced by Cassandra Voltolina music by the awesome or female band blonde if you want to connect with me online follow me on instagram at shirley mcalpine consulting you can find me on twitter at shirley mcalpine and she's got drive facebook page if you love the show i would love for you to subscribe and that means that you can get automatically into your inbox as soon as not inbox apologies automatically into your device as soon as we publish an episode i'd also love you to leave a review if you're feeling it too and sign up on my website on shirleymcalpine.com and you can get a free download of my ebook how to be a woman with drive thank you again i appreciate you listening go well and stay well